This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Revelation today, we're going to be reading, first of all, Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must first take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne, with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like jasper and carnelian. And around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Around the throne are 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones are 24 elders dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne, there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature like a face of a human and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. And day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, They existed and were created. We are looking in in Revelation these days. And Revelation, the vision of John, really kind of starts in chapter 4. It begins where he describes that there was an open door that was set before him that led into heaven. Now, when you think about heaven, what what do you think of? Do you you think of like a... A galaxy far, far, far away. Do do you think of a place that is far removed from us? And when you think about God, do you sometimes refer to God as the man upstairs? Don't answer that question. Uh, But the Scripture understanding of heaven and God is much different. The vision that we're getting today of heaven is, is a picture in which it's very close. In fact, what I love about John is that 
in the Revelation, he just transports from heavenly vision where he's in the midst of heaven worship and all of a sudden he's back on the earth and then he goes back into worship and he's back on the earth. I would like to invite you to think about heaven not as some faraway place, but kind of in the next room, which the door indicates the next room. It's like an open door into the next room. And God is there. You think about our loved ones that are with God. Where are they? Oh, they're in the next room. And the vision that we have of worship, the vision that we have of God, is that in the beginning, God was in the middle of His people. God was in the midst of the garden. God was right there with Adam and Eve, with humanity. And in Revelation, you find God in the middle, in the midst of His people, right there, present. And this beautiful scene in which God is right here with us today. Imagine God right here. Imagine His presence. Imagine that we are able to be transported back and forth as John is. In Revelation, you'll find worship scenes in chapter 4 and 5, chapter 7, 11, 13, 14, 15, and 19. I hope you're reading the Pray Steady Grow each week. And as you do that, you'll notice that at least once a week, there's a worship scene. So you get to be transported into a worship scene, into a place. The other night, Susan and I were visiting some friends, and I love this picture of vivid, bright, colored flowers above their mantle. And on a cold winter night, I just kind of imagined what it would be like to be transported there. And so in the middle of winter, I stepped into a summer scene. Imagine worship being that way, that, that heavenly worship friends, is not something we wait to do when we die. But heavenly worship is something we experience now. And the kingdom of God just kind of breaks in. Do you remember the, the Christmas story? Do you remember in that story in Luke chapter 2 where you have the birth of Jesus? Do you remember how that's announced to the shepherds? There's one angel, right, that announces the good news. And then all of a sudden, this, uh, these myriad of angels or these thousands of, of angels, this, this bunch of angels show up in the sky. Well, I think they were there all the time. It's just that there's a thin veil that separates heaven and earth. And in the night of the proclamation of Jesus being born, they just couldn't help themselves. Heaven kind of came to earth. And that's what it means, friends, to, to engage in, in heavenly worship. There's just a very thin veil that separates us from heaven. And so today, what I want to invite us to do is to be transported into this experience of worship. Now, that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, we hurry around, we come to worship, we get our cup of coffee. I know when Susan and I had small kids, it seemed like, Babies would always fill their diapers right beforehand. I mean, it, it's a scramble. It's a hassle to be able to come and really experience and settle ourselves and begin to enter into worship. 
That's what we really want to do here. And especially today. That's our focus of how do we transport ourselves into heavenly worship. Tony Dungy is one of my favorite sports guys. Uh, former coach. He was the coach of the Super Bowl champion Indianapolis Colts. He's a great Christian man. He's gone through some tough times. He talks about being fired. He talks about the tragedy of losing a son to suicide. And yet he is someone that exemplifies, I think, so strongly what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus in everyday life. And Dungy has written several books. The one book that I'm reading right now is called The Uncommon Life. And he talks in that book about how that every week when he was a coach, his team would, would do what was called the look squad. So the backup players on his team would pretend to be the team that they were going to be facing the next Sunday. And they would mimic, they would do the techniques, they would do the practices, the characteristics of what this next team typically does. And so the look squad was an opportunity for them to practice, to emulate, to get ready for game day. Well, you know, we get to do kind of a look squad today. We are looking into heavenly worship and revelation. Not the heaven that it's going to be, but the heaven that currently is. And as we do this look squad today, I hope you look at it as a way of not simply preparing for game day or not seeing it as a dress rehearsal, but let's be transported. Let's, let's practice. Let's, let's do the things that are described in heavenly worship. Now I'd like to read chapter 5 in Revelation, which continues the vision. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as, as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slaughtered 
And by your blood, you ransom for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne, and living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with a full voice, worthy as the lamb that was slaughtered, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's look at this scene that's just been described in Revelation, and we'll leave that scene up there. But as you look at that scene, grasp, grasp the vision. There is the one that is seated on the throne, the eternal God. And in the midst of the throne, there is the Lamb that comes. John sees the Lion of Judah. But then when he looks for the Lion of Judah, the one that is worthy to unroll the scroll, to break the seals, he doesn't see a lion, but he sees a lamb. Where Jesus is the lion as well as the lamb. The beautiful strength and the power of a lion and royalty appears in the vulnerability and the sacrificial love of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And around the throne, then, are four creatures. Interesting imagery, isn't it? So much symbolism in Revelation, so much we don't understand, but there's a sense of there is an eagle, there is an ox, there is a lion, and there's one that, as if they have a human face. And they are these four creatures. Tradition has said that they might represent the four Gospels. But they surround the throne, and they're worshiping. And then beyond them are the 24 elders, 24 elders that are, are worshiping in this great circle that keeps expanding and getting larger. And beyond the 24 elders, there's the angels, myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands of angels that are singing these new songs of praise and worship to the Lamb. But it doesn't end there, does it? No, it continues to say that beyond the angels... There's everyone, everyone in heaven and on earth, everyone, you, me, all of us, everyone, joining in praising the Lamb. So we, too, are not spectators, but we are brought into this marvelous scene of worship. We're transported there. 
And as we are, you know, my favorite part of this image is the golden bowl, the golden bowls that the elders are holding in their hands. We have in our prayer room this beautiful prayer box. And on the prayer box, it says, you, speaking to God, you've recorded each one of our tears in a bottle. You keep track of all our sorrows. You ever feel like when you pray, your prayers don't go beyond the ceiling? You ever feel so frustrated at times of wondering if, if your prayer really matters? If anyone really is listening, if prayers have any effect at all in heaven, and yet we have this beautiful image of the 24 elders holding these bowls of prayers of incense. And we did have incense up here earlier. Pastor Jason was attempting to burn the church down earlier, and we, it was a good idea. It was a good idea. It just... We just need to learn more from the Catholics. But in the, in the images, the, the prayers are, are going up. They're going up to God. Prayer rises. Prayer goes to God. Prayer goes somewhere. Heaven is moved by the prayers of God's people on this earth. You may wonder, what happens to our prayers that are written on the prayer wall? Well, they, they come into this box, and they are prayed over by people who intercede, praying, joining the people that write the prayers, more people praying over the needs and the desires and the petitions of the people who pray. And eventually... The prayers are taken from the box, and like incense, they're literally burned as a fragrance, as, as prayers rise to God. We're a church that practices prayer. We're a church that encourages you to grow in the life of prayer. There's going to be many opportunities in the next few weeks where you can do that. A week from Saturday, we have a morning of prayer just downstairs in Memorial Hall where I will lead us and others will lead us in some experiences in prayer. Just a, a three-hour gig, no long commitment, but an experience of prayer. And then the following Saturday, the first Saturday, Friday and Saturday of February, there's an event called IF where, for women. And one of the aspects of that event is going to be a focus on, on prayer. Prayer. During the Lenten season, which just begins in another month, we're going to offer four different group experiences in prayer. And you can choose to be a part of one of those. In April, April 15th and 16th, we have a women's retreat that has been set where women can go for 24 hours with other women to pray. And guys, I promise you, we've not forgotten you. Opportunities will come our way as well. What I want us to do today 
is to do uh, kind of a look squad thing, okay? So in heaven, we've taken a look at these 24 elders holding the incense of prayer. And so right now, I want to invite 24 people to join me along this prayer rail, women and men, who have real, a real prayer concern, a real prayer need that you're carrying with you. Come and kneel with me. And those of you in Renovate, as you're watching this, I would invite you to also go forward in that place and to pray. So 24 of you, at least 24 of you, you have a real need, you have a real concern. You, there may be an individual need that you're carrying. There may, need, uh, there may be someone in your life that you're particularly intercessing for, that you need to move heaven. Uh, there may be uh, a burden you're carrying for Springfield. Or there may be some hot spot in the world. But there's one particular need, there's one particular petition that you are coming and bringing this morning in your prayers. And I'm going to invite you just to pray on your own. As you pray, and as all of us pray, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide me as I lead us in a time of prayer. We silence ourselves before you. We see in the Scripture that sometimes there was silence, just silence on the earth. And in our silence, we, we say, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And we come and we bow before you and worship. God, I pray for each individual that has come in particular that's carrying a burden today. I pray for a real breakthrough in their spirit, in the need that they carry with them, it, whether it be uh, some financial burden, whether it be uh, some opportunity that they are seeking out, where the door seems to be shut. I pray that you would open the door that you want them to come into. God, I, I pray for a breakthrough in people's lives who are desperate. We pray for people who seem to be so far away from you and lost from you. We pray for those individuals that are irreverent toward you. And we pray that you would break through in their life and you would come and be known to them. We certainly pray for Springfield. We pray for this town God, we are a city that needs you. We pray for all those who are elected officials, for those who teach in our schools, and those who have responsibilities of leadership and business. God, we, we pray against the scourge of drugs in our town. We lift up those who are impoverished. We lift up to you the homeless. We pray, God, that you would manifest yourself in this town. And we pray for us as a church, as a congregation. We ask that you would move in real ways at Schweitzer. God, you would help us to see that in some ways, when we think we are rich, that we're really poor. Help us, God, 
to feel what you feel, to think what you think, to see what you see, and to join you in doing what you are doing. God, we pray for a, a healing, a healing presence and a flow into the lives of these people who are kneeling before us. And we thank you that their prayers are rising to you as incense. God, we pray for our world. We thank you yesterday that Pastor Asid was one of four persons released from Iran. We thank you for moving in our world. We pray that, that you would speak against the violence and the violence that many people carry in their hearts. We pray for our country, so severed and so divided, that we could be the United States again. But more than anything, we pray that your kingdom would come. And we claim the words of the ancient scripture that if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. But you will come and heal our land. So change, O oh Lord, our hearts. Help us to be humble and available and transport us now into this experience of heavenly worship. For we pray this in the name of the Lamb that was slain. Amen. And so as you are going back to your seats, and we're going to enter now into this continuous look squad of, of, of worship, and as the band leads us into this time of worship, I, I just want to encourage us to recognize that we are not spectators. Revelation tells us that all of us, everyone in heaven and earth, join the angels, join the elders, join everyone in the worship of the Lamb. For worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honor and blessing and glory. And may we experience that this morning as we worship.